Well, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and take them and turn to Genesis chapter 4. Genesis chapter 4. While you turn now, I'll say a few things. J.R. Tolkien once wrote, Faithless is he that says farewell when the road darkens. We all know of those people who began in the good way and did not continue in it. Perhaps you have friends and family who began uh, believing and confessing the Lord Jesus, but did not remain. And today we come to a narrative that concerns faith. And we see the faith of two men set before us, along with their representative fruit and the outcomes of their lives. Um, And ultimately, we look for a greater seed in this narrative than the one we see here, the Lord Jesus. But as we begin uh, to jump in, let me pray for us. Uh, And then we'll jump into Genesis chapter 4, verses 1 through 16. Let's pray together. Our gracious God and Heavenly Father, this is your word. And we do pray with Samuel, speak, O Lord, for your servants listen. Amen. Genesis chapter 4, verses 1 through 16. This is the word of the Lord. Now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And again, she bore his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, and Cain a worker of the ground. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground, and Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering he had no regard. So Cain was very angry and his face fell. The Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry and why is your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. Cain spoke to Abel, his brother. And when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is Abel your brother? He said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? And the Lord said, What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. And now you are cursed from the ground, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it shall no longer yield you its strength. You shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth. Cain said to the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. Behold, you have driven me today away from the ground, and and from your face I shall be hidden. I shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth, and whoever finds me will kill me. Then the Lord said to him, Not so. If anyone kills Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord put a mark on Cain, lest any who found him should attack him. Then Cain went away from the presence of the Lord and settled in the land of Nod, east of Eden. Amen. The grass withers and the flower falls. The Word of God endures forever. May He write His truth on our heart. 
Brothers and sisters, today I have a proposition and two points. The proposition is a question. Whose seed are you? Whose seed are you? We see this in two progressive points. The offspring detailed. And then we see the manifestation of Satan's offspring. Whose seed are you? Let's see the offspring detailed here in the first seven verses. See how Moses opens this account in verse 1. He says, Now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I've gotten a man with the help of the Lord. Now as we jump into this portion of Scripture, I want you to to kind of get where I'm coming from. A great deal of your New Testament is dealing with Genesis 4. Um, And it's it's a paradigmatic text in the New Testament. The author of Hebrews sees faith in Genesis 4. The Apostle John sees the elements of love that were not practiced and that ought to be practiced. The Apostle John also sees seed theology in Genesis 4. And then the Lord Jesus himself quotes of Abel as the first martyr when he says, from the blood of Abel to the righteous Zechariah. But In our time together today, I just want to focus on the immediate text. And we'll make application to those things as we go through. But I want you to say, in verse 1, do you see how the verbs progress here? Adam knew his wife Eve, verse 1, she conceived and bore. And it's almost like a drum roll. Because there was just the promise of Genesis 3.15 that there's going to be an offspring from Eve. And here she is. She was not, she, he knew his wife. She conceived and she bore. And then you get the name, Cain. And it, it's descriptive. Do you see what she says about Cain in verse 1? She bore Cain, that climax. And then she said, saying, I've gotten, I've acquired a man with the help of the Lord. Eve interprets why she named Cain, Cain. The name Cain means to acquire. And here she has been promised that she will be given a man who will deliver her from from the great effects of sin, who will deliver her from the devil. And here she acquires a man and she names him according to the promise. Cain, I've gotten him and he's going to deliver me. And Eve, and she, and she translates, she said, it's with the help of the Lord that I've received him. Surely this is the Savior. Surely this will be the one who will deliver me from all my woes. All her hopes and dreams were coming to fruition in her own eyes and she names her son accordingly, Cain. Yet there's more. You see, she's gotten one man, and then she gets another, verse 2. And then, and again, it says, she bore his brother Abel. And you can see Abel's name, perhaps. You can remember Hevel, Hevelim, Abel, the vanity of vanities. Abel's name literally means useless. Why? Because she already has the promised seed. Why do I need another son? I have the son who will deliver me. 
She says, I already have the promise. Abel, she named vanity. Of note, we know how the story ends, but she didn't. She didn't know that her life and the life of those who would follow would be patiently waiting for the offspring. She couldn't have foreseen the expectation that she was going to have to wait the totality of her life and simply believe the promise itself. Often throughout Genesis, it's the one you don't expect who's the one who is the seed of the woman. Here it's Abel and not Cain. Later it'll be Isaac and not Ishmael. Then it'll be Jacob and not Esau. And in great shock, it'll be Judah. As we just saw in Genesis 44, who would be willing to give himself up for his brothers. Who would be given the promise that a king would come through him who would be the offspring of the woman. In in great contrast, the Lord uses weak things and the things you do not expect to deliver His people. And here, Abel is not the seed she was expecting. It's, It's worthy of note that Eve placed, Eve replaced the promise with the person of Cain. She saw Cain as the fruition of the promise. She saw Cain as the embodiment of all her hopes. And she trusted in him. And there is a warning here for you and for me. If you place your trust in the wrong thing, it'll wreck you. At the end of this chapter, you'll notice at the end of chapter uh, 4, uh, she says in verse 25, Adam knew his wife again, and she bore a son and called his name Seth. For she said, God has appointed for me another offspring instead of Abel. Notice she said, Abel was my true seed, and it was not Cain. But she only learned that through great sorrow. And brothers and sisters, we need someone better than Cain. We need an anti-Cain. We need a true fruition of God's promises, and we need to trust in Him and not in one who is like Cain. But see how uh, these seeds are developed in verse 2. And again, she bore his brother Abel, and then he tells you the vocations of them. Isn't this interesting? Verse 2, Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, and Cain a worker of the ground. And he says, In the course of time, verse 3, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground, and Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flocks and their fat portions. Now, just a, just a note, uh, Adam taught his sons to work and to worship. Isn't that good? Now, just parental note, Matthew Henry once uh, uh, said, commenting on this text, it is, the will of the, it is the will of God for everyone to have something to do in this world. Parents ought to bring up their children to work, give them a Bible and a calling, and God be with them. And Adam, that's exactly what he did. They gave him a Bible, here's the promise, and here's your calling, boys. Now go serve the Lord. And that's what they did. 
Here is the first family going to worship together. And Adam, as a prophet and a priest in his home, is leading his children to love and worship the Lord. And to worship Him with the things they possess. Cain with the fruit of the ground. Abel with the sheep of his pasture. He teaches them, give unto the Lord the fruit of your labors. What lessons are there there for us as parents and as children to grow up and know how we ought to conduct and live in this world? They were made to worship, and they said with the Westminster Shore Catechism, joyfully, my purpose is to glorify and enjoy God forever. That was Cain and Abel, at least how they were raised to be. But they come and they offer these sacrifices. And you see an immediate contrast. One is approved and one is disapproved. One is accepted, one is rejected. It says, verse 4, And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, verse 5, but for Cain and his offering he had no regard. Now, a lot of commentators will say, you know, he had regard because Abel had a blood sacrifice and then Cain had a non-blood sacrifice, so that's why he didn't regard him. But both of these are acceptable under the law. You can have grain offerings. You can have, uh, you can have uh, guilt offerings. Both of them are acceptable. And Hebrews tells us the difference between how these men made their sacrifices Hebrews chapter 11, verse 4, it says, By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain. Notice the key difference that the, that the apostle tells us in Hebrews. Abel had faith. Meaning, Abel offered up the lamb and he was looking forward to another lamb who would actually take away the guilt of his sin. But when, when Cain offers up the grain offering, the thank offering, as it were, it does not say that he was actually looking to anything. One is recognizing his guilt and confessing his sin, and the other in self-righteousness is simply doing the religious thing. It's very much like the prodigal son parable, isn't it? One son knows he's a prodigal and needs saving. And the other is self-righteous and doesn't know. There's a great difference between them. And Abel looked forward to a greater lamb who would actually remove his guilt and would take away his sin. Abel looks to the Savior who would reverse the curse and set him free from the tyranny of the devil. You and I as Christians uh, ought to know that the Lord still refuses or receives men based on this one qualification. It is not how good you do in your life. It is what you look to and hold fast to. It is your faith working. Not capitalized on the works, but your faith is capitalized upon. Um. You know, the Christian is said to actually offer up offerings. Did you know that? 
Romans chapter 12, the apostle says, he says, he says, therefore, because of all of Christ has done for you in both giving of himself and, and justifying you and sanctifying you and uniting you to himself, he says in chapter 12, he says, therefore, offer up your bodies as a living sacrifice. As Christians, we give to the Lord ourselves. And there's a calling for you and for me as Christians to live for our Savior. And in living for Him, we offer Him sacrifices morning and evening. So I want you to hope as Abel in the true Lamb and to look to Him. Are you looking? Are you holding fast to Him? Good. So who's, whose seed are you? We see the offspring detailed, but then we see the manifestation of Satan's offspring. In verses 6 and 7, see how the Lord comes to speak to Cain in His merciful speaking. He says, verse 6, The Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? And why is your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. Hear this, the Lord comes and reasons with Cain. Isn't that lovely? Cain hasn't offered the way he's supposed to, and here the Lord comes to reason with him. It's a marvelous grace. He appeals to him. He says, Cain, if you offer the right, the right sacrifice, you'll be accepted. And he's saying, Cain, won't you simply believe in what the sacrifices point to? It's, it's almost the uh, Isaiah 1.18, Come now, Cain, let us reason together. Though your sins be as scarlet, they'll be white as snow. Just look beyond. Look beyond what you're hoping in. He says, because if you don't, your religiosity will lead to terrible things. And we all know what it led to. Verse 8, Cain spoke to Abel, his brother. When they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. Sounds very familiar, doesn't it? Just perhaps four some odd thousand years later after this, we would also have very religious men who would, who would have the law tapered on their garments. And who would have the Lord, the Lord our God is one, written upon their foreheads. And they would proclaim to love the Lord. They would do the right sacrifices, but you know what they would also do? Their religiosity would lead them to kill a better Cain. The Lord Jesus. If we do not look beyond and hold fast to not ourselves, but to another, we will find ourselves in dire places. The Lord Jesus Himself spoke to those religious leaders in John 8, 44. And He said, You are of your father, the devil. And your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. Cain is a murderer. 
And just as he was introduced by these uh, compounding of verbs, new, conceived, bore, we see him fall with a compounding of verbs. He spoke, he rose up, and he killed. He's a murderer. And his true progeny is that he is of his father, the devil. He not only murders like the devil, but he lies like the devil, doesn't he? You see what happens in verse 9. The Lord asks, where is Abel your brother? First human death in the world to which Cain has no remorse. And he says, I do not know. That was a lie. Am I my brother's keeper? Yes, you are your brother's keeper. That was deception. There's even an element of mocking in this. Do you, do you see it? I do not know. Yes, you do. Am I my brother's keeper? My brother keeps sheep. I don't keep him. Cain retorts mocking the Lord. Matthew Henry again, he says, Cain slew Abel, his own brother, his own mother's son, whom he ought to have loved, his younger brother, whom he ought to have protected, a good brother, who would have never done him any wrong. Our actions speak to our progeny. And the question becomes, to whom do you belong? You may say, I've, uh, Jonas, I've never murdered. And I'm certain it's true. Most of us have not murdered. But did you see what preceded his murder? The Lord said to Cain, verse 6, Why are you angry? You remember what Jesus said, Matthew 5, verse 21, 22? If you're angry with your brother, you've committed murder in your heart. You may say, I've never murdered anybody. But have you really? The question of our progeny is really founded on one question. If you're looking at your works, you're going to be very disappointed about progeny. But the question becomes, are you looking to the promised lamb? Or are you like Cain, looking to your works and finding your worth and identity in them? The mark of the seed of the woman is that they are not trusting in themselves, but they are trusting in the promise. And I wonder if you find yourself trusting in the promise this evening. The call of God to you and to me, and it was the call of God to Cain, was to hold fast to the Savior who is promised which is not you, and it's not me. It is the one we know, the Lord Jesus. And the Apostle John, when he comments on this passage, he says that we ought to love one another. He says, brothers, if God has so loved us, we also ought to love one another. And it is to be upon the tombstone of every Christian because we have been saved by grace and is be on our tombstone to simply say, the servant of all, the lover of the brothers. What is terrifying here, and we'll close with this, 
was that one day all things will be revealed. Your progeny, my progeny, the progeny of everyone in, this, in, in history and on this globe will stand and they will have to be unmasked as to who their father is. And Cain was unmasked right here. As the Lord rips off the mask in verse 10, He says, what have you done? The voice of your brother is crying to me from the ground, meaning it is not hidden from me. And nothing that we do is hidden from Him. He knows whether we have faith in our offerings. He knows whether we have murders in our hearts. And the terror of verse 11 is that to be of the seed of Cain is to have the pronouncement, you are cursed from the ground. To join the devil, you are cursed. And so brothers and sisters, let us flee from not looking beyond all, even, even, your, even your Bible is pointing you beyond to the truth, to the Word of God incarnate. And let us hold fast to Him. And let us find our life and hope in the Savior. Let's pray.